Hey, Olivia. Hey, Ashley. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Cheers. <laughs> Our coffee mugs cheersing in the yes, morning. <laughs> yes. Are you having spiked coffee or just regular coffee? Oh, regular since I have to go to work after. Right, right, right. Yes. I'm having yeah. regular as well because I need no more sugars in my body right now. Yeah, and I guess it is 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> Usually I would be down, but I just feel like I've been overindulging recently, so it's time mm-hmm. to cut back. Yeah, that makes sense. Just get back to coffee. <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm always having spiked coffee. That's <laughs> not what I mean. <laughs> Okay, so we're doing a Drunk of the Book giveaway. It's the opportunity to win through a raffle three books as well as a very fantastic Drunk of the Book necklace to show off your Drunk of the Book love to anybody and everybody. Um, It's really simple to enter. Every time you do like one of the actions, you get one more uh, entry. So, We're going to be posting on the Instagram the Drunk of the Book raffle post. And so you can comment and tag a friend for one entry. You can subscribe to our podcast and send a screenshot for another entry. You can leave a review and send a screenshot for another entry. And you can post a picture, tag us, and hashtag us for another entry. So you have like up to four ways to enter to win three books. And these books are going to be Mindy Kaling's book, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? The second one is going to be Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, parts uno y dos. And then finally, the third is The Woman in Cabin 10 by Ruth Ware. So basically, you're going to have, like, the gamut of book styles. You've got your humor, you've got your Harry Potter play <laughs> and you've got your mystery as well as a necklace so yeah that's please it. enter you have a lot of opportunities yes and this is a pretty exciting giveaway who yes. doesn't want three books three and books. a necklace yeah and a necklace <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't want the necklace i can make into like a keychain or something <laughs> there you go so uh, yeah drunk of the book giveaway it's happening yay so enter enter and send us those screenshots <laughs> that's sounds- not good. <laughs> we don't want nudes, please. No, no nudes. No entries for nudes. Uh, so, what did we read? Okay, so we read Asada, an autobiography by Asada Shakur. And um, do you want to explain what it's about? Sure. So, obviously, as the title says, it's an autobiography. Um, Are you sure? <laughs> it may or may not be an autobiography. Asada <laughs> Shakur, she was a member of the Black Panther Party and the Black Liberation... Was it Party? I think Army. that's right. Army. Army, yes. Black Liberation Army. Um... She had a lot, she was accused of doing a lot of, committing a lot of different crimes, including bank robberies um, and killing a New Jersey state trooper. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this autobiography takes us through 
those trials um, and then also takes us through her childhood and growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is now living in Cuba under political asylum. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so it kind of takes you through the whole journey of her life up until that moment. Yeah. That was one thing that, like, at the end, it's, like, the end of this chapter, but it made me so interested to hear more about her life in Cuba and as, like, a political refugee. Yeah, I totally agree. So it was, like, an end, but then it also was, like, opening up a new can of worms that I'm very curious about. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it was... I loved this book so much. Me too. It was so amazing. I really liked how throughout most of the book, I think it was only in the last couple sections, Mm -hmm. it alternated every chapter. Yeah. Between childhood and her time in prison or, you know, at trial. I thought that that was really an amazing way to tell the story. Mm -hmm. Um, It also was just eye-opening to read about some things that are completely mirroring what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have to find it. Um, there was one part that just, like, gave me chills in the beginning. I highlighted it. She's talking about how um, in prison, black men and women will often be found dead in their cells. Mm, Yes. And it'll be... uh, It's always the most politically, like... Aware. Yes. And it'll be Marcus' suicide. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I found it. I found it. It's on page 59. 59? 59. Okay. It's... um, I marked that, too, because I was also... I think I was, like, listening to a podcast about Sandra Bland, like, at that moment. It was just, like, too too real. She wrote, in prisons, it is not at all uncommon to find a prisoner hanged or burned to death in his cell. No matter how suspicious the circumstances, these deaths are always ruled suicides. They're usually black inmates considered to be a threat to the orderly running of the prison. They're usually among the most politically aware and socially conscious inmates in the prison. Oh my god, it just gave me chills again. Yeah. Like, it's, you know... I know that what's happening right now is not new. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is all repeats of what's been happening forever. Right. But to see it so clearly written out, and this book was written in 1985. Yeah. Like, way before Sandra Bland, you know? Right. Um, and just to, like, see a well-written description of an event that's happened very recently. And she tells it like it is. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. I mean, it was hard to read this book for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know if I was heartened or depressed by the fact that she's writing about something, like you said here, <clears throat> decades ago that is still happening. But yep. I guess what I do find, like, I don't know, heartening is that I think that the conversation is much more at the forefront. So I saw, I don't know if you've seen 13th yet, um, the Ava DuVernay documentary. It's amazing. Really, really, really have to go see it. Um, Or not go, it's on Netflix. But 
Yeah. Um, so one of the things that some of the people who were interviewed in that documentary talk about is the images of black people and, and other people of color, um, being murdered or hurt or, you know, just the question of, okay, do we, do we show these images to uh-huh. raise awareness or by seeing so many, um, like murdered and, and, and violated black bodies, does that kind of, uh, make it less powerful when you do see it? And one of the points that a few people made was that throughout the, the advent of different technologies, <clears throat> being visible helped to create movement forward because it could no longer be something that was silenced. So like, for instance, um, back in the era of the slave narratives, did you take African-American lit? Yes. Okay. So remember how we like talked all about like the power of the slave narrative and how, um, the technology of, I mean, obviously not the technology of the printing press, but like the idea of publishing slave narratives was huge in the abolition movement. And then later on, photography was used to like literally take photos of the the scars and the wounds of people who were enslaved who were punished Um, and then later on uh, being able to have the photographs of the civil rights movement seeing like people being attacked by police dogs and being hosed down and being um you know treated aggressively by police and white white just masses was so hugely instrumental and then now the fact that everybody has and this is this is like how it was explained by a few different people in the documentary and i wish i could give them credit right now but um with the advent of like technology where everybody has a phone in our pockets Uh these instances of police brutality and these instances of people being attacked at the hand of of people who are supposed to serve and protect it isn't hidden anymore um in the way that it necessarily maybe would have been in this era because it's like, oh, you know, Asada Shakur says it's happening. Well, where is the evidence? The police don't say it's not happening or the prisons and jails say it's not happening. Um, So it's, I think it's really powerful. On the other hand, like I said, I don't know if I was depressed to see that we're still dealing with the same things or I, you know, in the world, it's still happening in the U S it's still happening. Or if I'm feeling like, oh, finally, the conversation is coming to fruition. It's also yeah. depressing. Sorry, I'm rambling. It's depressing to think that like black and brown people's words couldn't be trusted, quote unquote. Like that wasn't right. taken as fact, and that it has to have the visual representation. So that's shitty, <laughs> like fucking horrible. Yeah, <clears throat> understatement of the year. <laughs> right. No, I, I was thinking a lot about that too while reading. Um, she talks a lot about the abuse that she gets starting from the very moment that she's on the highway, mm-hmm. you know, on the ground to in the hospital to in the prison yeah. to having a child and just the abuse that she's given from doctors, officers, you know, people that are supposed to be in respected positions um, and how there isn't really anything that could be done about that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a moment in the courtroom where they see it happening and they can finally start, like, documenting it. Oh, yeah. But when, that's what... Hmm. Was, are you thinking of the point when, like, the judge was, like, caught on record as saying that he didn't believe that she was innocent? Oh, or when that they were attacking too, but her? there was actually... She was 
like, assaulted in the courtroom oh, by one of the officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I think Evelyn finally was able to put that in her documents or something. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, like, yeah, with the invention of, like, cameras that you can have so easily in your pocket and being able to record things, we get a little bit more of that. But there's still so much that happens within the walls that you can't see that won't be documented ever because it's the prisoner's word, the prisoner's word against the, you know, the system's word. And it just, it was, I don't know, just hearing, reading, not hearing, reading her descriptions of it and realizing that that's still something that we can't fix or haven't been able to fix is just heartbreaking. Yeah, it's just the tip of the iceberg is yeah. is what is seen or like what is reported on is reported on is literally yeah. like the tip 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 of the iceberg. Right. And it just was coming at her from every direction, you know, like even when she found out she was pregnant and thought she was miscarrying, the guy doctors like, "Oh, well, it'd be better if you did abort. Like you'd be saving a lot of people." Yeah. Um, and not giving her medical attention or having, I didn't even know what that was, that discharge where they weren't testing it and her, like, thighs were rubbing wrong. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, all this abuse that's, like, physical actually, like, hitting, choking, yeah. breaking bones, but also just, like, medical abuse. Yeah. It's just, like... Totally and completely, like, refusing to let her see her doctor. That was... Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah um but like her ability to remain focused on her mission mm-hmm. um and her you know uh views or not what am i trying to say the change like being able to stay focused on like the change that she needs to see in mm-hmm. this world that like should be happening mm-hmm. was really impressive yeah she was able to still see what needed to get done still see like the love and the faith and like between her uh friends and family mm-hmm. um throughout like all of this just horrible stuff yeah really uh inspiring i guess yeah <clears throat> speaking of the like her family heartbreaking at the end where we hear a little bit about her daughter and how she you know has hasn't been able to really be in her daughter's life in any permanent way basically at all until she escapes to cuba and then her family does come to her right yeah they do um i think it ends with her seeing them come off the plane yeah exactly and just thinking about at this point, I'm probably just parroting, like, all of the things from 13th, but um, thinking about the idea of, I'm just, like, people who are assholes, who are, like, the problem with people of color's communities is that the parents aren't involved, and it's, like, you're literally, like, incarcerating a ridiculous, I don't have the, the number, but a ridiculous percentage of those parents. Like, what do you expect? Like, what do you expect? I don't know, like, I can't remember um, what happened with, uh, what was his name? The father of that daughter. Um, sort of a K? <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to remember that, actually, as I was setting, that, setting up. 
And um, I lost track of if he got if he was convicted or if he was imprisoned or if he was let go. Um, but it's like you know the way the way that that families have been systematically uh, just pulled apart is horrifying yeah. and and it just enrages me to hear that conversation um, with people who think that they have like an argument to make and it's just absurd. And again, like I said, I'm parroting that documentary, but one of the people who was interviewed was talking about how um, a whole generation of like black leadership was murdered and imprisoned and had to flee the country. And so Asada, I mean, he named Asada as one of those people, like exactly that. Not only our families torn apart, but the whole movement uh, was torn apart as well. I mean, I went, before I read this book, I went onto Wikipedia because I didn't know anything about Asada, like nothing. And, um, and I actually just pulled it up like this morning because I wanted to remember what it said. Cause like the, the, the first paragraph, you know, like it has that paragraph before it gets to the details, mm-hmm. like lists all of the things that she was like charged with those crimes uh, and the manhunt. And then it ends with it saying that on 20 in 2013, the FBI added her to the most wanted terrorist list. She was like the first woman listed. And I remember like that. reading that, um, the Wikipedia before I read this and I was like, huh? So it sounds like, you know, she's somebody who, like the story is unclear about like that's how the wikipedia made it sound and i'm like wait no the story is not unclear like right just like that paragraph you were talking about before where you know political dissidents were oh you know they commit suicide like political dissidents of this time and from this move or from these movements were systematically eradicated and she's one of those people she may not be dead but she was imprisoned and now she doesn't she isn't here. She has to live in Cuba. And so right. I was just like, it's so crazy to me, first of all, that, I mean, it's, I guess it's not crazy, but it, every single time that this comes up again, it makes me so angry that we aren't exposed to or taught um, all of these stories, mainstream uh kids or, you know, people growing up aren't taught these stories. And I think it's... It's very purposeful. Um, And it also makes me so angry that it's like you go to the Wikipedia and it sounds like it's up for debate. And it's really not. And it's kind of horrifying um, just to see, just to see, like you said, these patterns repeated again and again and again. book kind of flip-flops chapters between her childhood and growing up and then her um experience trying to fight the legal system and uh get out of prison um I really liked that like you talked about and I feel almost like it was it was like an emotional shift and I'm not gonna say like it went from like intense to less intense or like high to low it was, yeah. it was like, I had to like shift emotionally from like one level of rage to another level of rage, you know, or like one level of, 
of uh, heartbreak to another level of heartbreak, it was really interesting because I felt like there was a different tone in those two. And I think there was more joy in the childhood sections, but there was also a lot of um, a, a lot of the same sort of lack of justice and the same sort of just shitty systemic racism and you know individual racism that was rampant in those sections as well so it was very it was interesting it was interesting and there was a level in the parts about her childhood and growing up there's a level of um oh just like she was you know you're a kid you're naive you don't really know anything yet Mm -hmm. um that was you could see that kind of breaking Mm -hmm. um and, like, some of it was funny, like, when she meets that woman at the hotel, mm-hmm. it's knocks on the door, and she's shaving her face, <laughs> and Asada is just very confused, and that person just, like, laughs, and, like, oh, you have so much to learn, <laughs> yeah. um, and it just, like, that ends really nicely, and, mm-hmm. like, it's not Asada, you know, she continues to go to her but yeah, um, it was like a that, sweet like asada learns what a drag queen is exactly yeah like that was very cute but then like when she's trying to learn how to like trust other people and she goes with that guy to another party and it's yeah. like a bunch of guys waiting there to gang rape her mm-hmm. um or what do they call it train oh yeah Ugh, yeah that oh i found it oh my god so weird i just keep on um she pulling a train, page one sixteen. Pulling, pulling yeah. a train, yeah. Like, and then there's that part where you know she naively agrees to do this, and it just shatters everything. I know. Uh, so it's you go back and forth between like, oh look, she's she's learning things. Isn't that cute? To like, oh god, yeah. Like, there's this young girl that's having to Navigate. deal with such intense horrible horrible experiences yeah i highlighted that one because i felt like again wow things have not changed um on again 116 it didn't happen to any particular kind of girl it happened to girls who were at the wrong place at the wrong time the boys talked about it like it was a joke or a game like they were only out to have some fun which you know those are the same phrases and words that are used now i mean with that horrible stanford rape case with the horrible i don't remember how many years ago it was the young girl in richmond who was gang raped too it's just like these are the same these are the same situations and then the same like ridiculous horrible just hateful ignorant excuses for those crimes and it's just like jesus christ i also in that section where she's talking about that, I, I was like, oh my god, she's always been so smart. Yeah. To just like hear that kid say that if his mom's home gets messed up, he'll be in so much trouble. Yeah. So she just starts breaking stuff. Yes. Um, and like tells him to go get an adult. I'm just like, oh my god, how are you so smart? I know. At 13, in the middle of like a crisis situation, yes. like. It's just impressive. Yeah, I was I was also struck by the same thing. Like she was really savvy um, and clever and protected herself in that moment in a really like wise way, where she like you know she gets the help that she needs and 
that couple make sure she gets to the taxi all right. I think it kind of reminded me of the scene where she starts working in that cafeteria Mm -hmm. and that lecherous, disgusting old man is like touching her and grabbing her. And at first she thinks it's an accident and then she is like putting up with it. And then finally she's like, no, fuck this. Give me my money. And he tries to argue that he's not going to. And then she makes a big scene, so people start coming up to the the counter to see what's going on, and so finally he does give her the money. And again, that was an example. I almost feel like that was an example that shows how, as maybe a young girl who is used to just kind of following along with with what adults do or maybe wanting to assume that it's accidental, at first she... She thinks, oh, it's no big deal. And then it's like, no, wait, something is wrong. And I almost feel like that's where her her fighting spirit comes out. And she's like, no, yeah. fuck this. Um, and again, through through making a scene, um, and I say that in the best way possible because I know that that phrase has negative connotations, but through literally like making a big scene of it so people come and like want to know what's going on, she protects herself. And she yeah. she gets her, her money that he was going to try to cheat her out of. And yeah, she was... She was really, really smart, um, and the fact that she had to be so smart at such a young age to protect herself, um, many people do have to do that, is just, it's a hard, it's a hard fact, um, to deal with. Yeah, it really is, um, but, I mean, like, we're kind of both saying here, it's just like, just so impressed by her. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she has always just been a strong fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, those types of people are so important to this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing to get to read her story, you know? It's just like, oh, my God, you're, she was, she's just amazing. Yeah. Um, it was also interesting... Like, I didn't really realize how old she was each time we were flashing back. Like, I know she put, like, educational references, Mm -hmm. but still, I was, I guess maybe just not directly paying attention to ages then. Um, But when, was it her cousin finds her in New York? Oh, yeah. And she's 13 during all of that, when she's working at that bar. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, living in that hotel, she's dealt with that man. Like, she's a 13-year-old child during all of those experiences. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, and then no, I wonder, had the same experience. What? I had the same experience where I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then we wonder why, like, you have children that are getting involved in things like drinking or drugs or, like, you know doing whatever they can to make money at such a young age. It's like, here's an exact description of it. She had to do what she had to do. People didn't question her age. And, uh, like, I don't know. I just can't imagine, like, a 13-year-old girl sitting at a bar dealing with those types of men. Yeah. I do have to say that there were, like, it was heartening to see that there were people who were looking out for her, like the other girls who worked there. Um... And I think even the the bar man or, or who was it? Maybe the bouncer who would, like, make sure she got home all right. 
Wasn't it one of the jazz musicians? Oh, yeah, it was one of the jazz who she had a big, big, big crush on. <laughs> yeah. I was just, like, I was so thankful to hear about those people who had an eye. And maybe, you know, it's, like, to an extent they're, they're, they have to, they have an eye out for her because they know she's young. And maybe they don't know she's as young as she is, but they know she's, like, probably in over her head. But that right. she's making these choices and she's, she's out there and she's, she's, like, making the choice to be here. And so they are like, okay, if she's here, we're going to help her or we're going to watch out for her, you know? They're not necessarily calling up her mom and sending her home. Um, right. But they're helping her in the best way that they can. Yeah. And I thought that that was really heartening and sweet and valuable. Definitely. Because they don't know what her home life is. They don't know what she's escaping from, you know? So they're not going right. to send her back to it because who the fuck knows? It could be right. anything. And I thought that that was really interesting because I think nowadays, if someone someone were to see that, see a, a child, you know, in these situations, the instinct would be to send them back home. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, I mean, I don't know that the right answer is to keep them working in a bar, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure like, that would be my choice, but. But, like, whatever the modern day equivalent of that is like it's really um great to see that there are people that aren't gonna just necessarily force a child back into a situation unknowingly yeah um i listened oh god on the drive yesterday we listened to a podcast um episode do you listen to strangers the podcast no i really like it um leah tau i think is the name of the host but Anyways, um, the episode was really, really, really intense about a woman who had a really abusive father and a really abusive childhood, um, and is talking, you know, she's sharing that, and actually it was so bad that she eventually changed her name to get away from her father and other people in her family. Um, it was really, it was hard to listen to, but I think it was really... It was really important, um, but listening to that, I was just having such a hard time because I felt like in so many ways, a lot of the adults in her life or a lot of the adults that she came into contact with failed her. Right. Um, and so, anyways, that's a connection, but just thinking about how in Asada's life, there were a lot of adults who, who came to her aid, and I thought that was so, so valuable. There were a lot of adults or, or young adults who were there to support her and... Um, Sometimes that makes all the difference. Totally. I wonder if that, <clears throat> if that would happen now, though. You know, like, back in that time, it was a lot freer. Like, children were able to run around. You know, people would interact with strangers more frequently, you know. I wonder if that's still something that's possible. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I don't know what how things would be different if a kid in New York, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I also know that this experience is, like, so, so different from mine coming from such a privileged point of view that it is hard for me to envision it um, in modern or old older time periods just because, yeah. um, like, my own upbringing was so much more privileged, I guess. It was so different. 
yeah, I mean, I guess that's why it's just interesting to think about, because I, I can't relate to it, but, you know, I guess I would just like to hope that people can have a similar outreach of <clears throat> kind people. Yeah. They do find themselves in that situation. Ultimately, I just, it was really, really good and really intense. And the ways that these experiences that Asada is describing directly mirror things that are still happening is unacceptable. Yeah. But at the same time, if reading this is going to cause people to open up their eyes or question like aforementioned um, lack of diversity in the historical narrative that we're given, then I think that's important. Right. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like this should be required reading. Yeah. I did get a lot of people, if I was walking down the street holding it or reading it out somewhere, they're just like, that's a good book. <laughs> that's it. That's all they'd say. It's like, how did so many people know of this book and love this book? But I've never heard of her. I know, right? Just walking around Oakland, people are like, yes, that book. Well, yeah. I guess that makes sense. I mean, she did have her connection with the Panther right. Party. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think that the power of, like, storytelling is so important to, mm-hmm. you know, enact change and to open people's minds But then my question is, like, what is the next step? And so for me, like, obviously I live in a much less diverse area, but one thing that I've been um, trying to do is to stay apprised with our local small Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is really, really small. But I don't know. I had, like, the mistaken understanding prior in the last few years that it was, like, this is a movement that isn't for me. And that's like my own, that's my own, like not looking into it deeply enough. Like I was like, I was applauding what the black lives matter movement was doing. And I was like, you know, 100% like behind. And I think I, um, I can't remember how many times, but I donated money to like local black lives matter, um, groups. But I was like, this isn't a movement that wants my face. And that was totally incorrect. And I don't know, like, where I kind of got that misconception. And so now I'm like, okay, I need to write that and write that wrong. I need to be, like, another body on the ground. And so I've been I've been uh, making an effort to go to, like, the local events that I can. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't – it's like, what are, what are the next steps that are things that I can do that are actually, like, going to be helpful and useful? And, yeah. Well, I think that one – lesson we could take from Asada is when she did go traveling to California to learn more about different uh, groups that were happening, you Mm -hmm. know, and she walked around from group to group. That's where she first um, met with people in the Black Panther Party. Um, And she voiced her concerns that she had uh, and was open to conversation. She met up with, like, Chinese um activist groups, yeah. communist groups, you know, and she was great. just like went around and wasn't afraid to ask questions, mm-hmm. which I 
is important too. Like, you know, if if we don't know if something is for our participation, yeah, or wants participation, like asking. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Which I think questions and honesty is just like the best thing. Yes. Totally and completely. Any last thoughts? Just that this, like, I really think this should be required reading. I want to give this to everybody. I like, think. I might buy co- copies and give it out as gifts. That's a good idea. I don't think it was that expensive. No, it wasn't. It's fairly inexpensive. I wish I could find it at my local bookstore, though. It was not yeah. at my local bookstore. I had to go to the Amazon machine, which every single time I do that, my heart breaks a little bit. <laughs> no, same. Yeah, I couldn't find it at Walden. Walden Pond has had, like, not a great selection lately. Really? Yeah. Huh, I feel like they used to have a really good, like, political and social justice section. Yeah, I don't know if, like, every time I go, I'm just, like, they're sold out of what I'm looking for. Maybe they're like, we're just selling these, like, hotcakes. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. None left for you, Olivia. Right. That could be the case. But I feel like in every, like, section, I'm just like, I don't know. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, my last thoughts are just that this is an amazing book. Where did you hear about it? I forget. I don't even I think I read, like, a list. Okay. Was, like, you know. Oh, yeah. If you're frustrated about everything right now, here are some books that you should read uh, to... I don't know if it was, like, to make you more frustrated or to, like, <laughs> enrage you to action, probably. I think it was on a... It was on Remezcla or something like that. Um, yeah, but I found a list and I was like, okay, time to put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you, you found these. Me too. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So what's next? Next is Angela Davis. Freedom is a constant struggle. Yes. And it's like interviews and excerpts from like talks and speeches that she gave so it's like uh, I, I started reading it so far and it's nice because it's like I can read a section and then I can put it down good to my stuff yeah. and it doesn't feel like I'm uh, losing momentum right I was kind of skimming through it this morning mm-hmm. uh, yeah it looks like it'll be a good read because that was actually one thing for Asada's autobiography if it was like I had to get up in the middle of it, when I came back to it, if I was in the middle of a section, I had to sort of spend a, a second re-reminding yeah. myself where I left off and what what's going yeah. on currently. Because I think maybe because of the time shift, the, the time and forth. Yeah, I felt similar. Well, especially in the beginning when I first picked it up, I think I just wasn't ready mm-hmm. to like read something this intense and deep. And so, like the first like, couple sections was pretty slow for me. Mm-hmm. So I was just, like, trying to digest everything. And then once I got into the swing of it, it was, you know, I wouldn't put it down. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did have to put it down. Coming back to it, it always was like, okay, wait. Like, got to get back into this, figure out what's yeah. happening, and then, like, you swim through it. Yeah, totally, I agree. Yeah. Cool. Well, so we'll be reading um, Angela Davis's book. Um, I don't know if it's the most recent book that has been published with her, like the most recent book that she has published or not, but um, it is pretty recent because it's about like Ferguson and things like that. So um, yeah. where can people find us? They can find us on Instagram 
uh, on email yeah. <laughs> at drunk to the book for Instagram, drunk to the book at Gmail. Um, they can find us on iTunes, mm-hmm. on Stitcher, or drunk the book. I think that's everything. Yay. Yeah. So please uh, follow along, follow us on our social meds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> make sure to subscribe. I've heard recently that all of these, like, you know, real podcasts are asking their people to use the hashtag tripod to, like, get somebody into oh. podcasts. So, you know, you could always tripod us. <laughs> <laughs> like, T-R-Y? Yeah. Okay. I think. Um, but the point being, tell your friends about Drunk of the Book. Cool. Let's, Let's get, get reading! reading. All right. <laughs> All right, cool. Yay. Uh-